0: Just so excited that you're here. I'm thankful that you're here, and I just want to say thank you, especially for those of you that have been listening week in and week out on this journey with me. So recently I had the opportunity to be interviewed on a friend of mine's podcast. It's called the You Are Enough podcast by Angela Hudson. You can find it on uh, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts, I believe. And you can catch my interview there. We talked about the idea of you are enough and in what ways do you feel like you're not enough? And it got me thinking that I wanted to do a podcast of my own on here, sort of tackling this question. But what I wanna do for us today is really look at it from the lens of how do you wrestle with the parts of yourself that you like and then the other parts of yourself that feel in opposition to that. Now, let me stop you right here before we even dive in further and say, you might be thinking, I'm not really at war with myself. And I would say, good for you. But for a lot of us out there, we are two different beings in one shell, right? We have two different types of approaches to the world, two different responses, and maybe it's more than two for you. Of course, I'm not talking about personality disorders or anything like that. I'm just saying we are all multifaceted, complex people. So I thought we would start today by looking at the Proverbs 31 woman. I don't know about you, but I'm probably the most unlikely Proverbs 31 woman. I did not grow up in a conservative Christian background. In fact, my family didn't really go to church when I was very little. My mom um, was a believer. My dad was not until I was after I was married. And so in our home, church was not a regular thing. My mom would talk about Jesus from time to time. But, you know, in terms of growing up in the church, that's not really a story that I resonate with. I started going to church at a Methodist church in my city, and I believe I was in sixth grade when I started going there through the invite from a friend on my soccer team. And I don't remember getting saved. I always remember having this very keen sense that God was real and that Jesus was with me. I remember being a toddler and having moments where that was, um, true to me, so I guess maybe I'm a bit of an anomaly. But when I was in sixth grade, I did the confirmation class with my Methodist church, and got baptized, sprinkle baptized, and made my profession of faith to follow the Lord. And I've never looked back all these years later. But when I read the Proverbs thirty-one story, depending on your worldview, you read this woman from a different lens. And I remember when I went to college at Baylor university and I began to be surrounded by friends who grew up in a Baptist background, nothing wrong with the Baptist background. I love Baptist. My whole family on my mother's side grew up Baptist, but it's a very conservative in some ways, a very conservative viewpoint. And so when we read the Proverbs 31 woman from a conservative approach, we see her in a completely different light than if someone who was not saved in today's feminist movement, would read the Proverbs 31 woman, and they would probably see something entirely different. I want to encourage you, your worldview, it's important. It matters. It's like a filter through which we see things through. When I look at the Proverbs 31 woman now, at this point in my life, I see a woman who was a cut above the rest. I see a woman who was a dreamer, a go-getter. She was a shot caller. She was a provider, a nurturer. She was defying expectations even in her day and age. A little bit of background to the Proverbs 31 woman. Most people would say this was actually a poem that Bathsheba had taught to Solomon, her son, that was the things to be looking for in a wife. And it was, if you go um, from the Hebrew scriptures, it actually goes through the Hebrew alphabet, kind of like if we were going to say ABCD, first you're looking for A and then B and then C like that. And so this is the the understanding or one of the viewpoints of where this came from. So if you imagine Bathsheba has this son, Solomon, that's so promised and, um, and she's imparting to him what he needs to know to look for a wife and she's teaching him all the things that are the most important. I'm not going to go into the actual text today. I encourage you men and women grab Proverbs 31 and read over it. The first section that has to do with a wife of noble character who can find, and you're going to find this woman is a go-getter. She gets up before the sun gets up. She is a leader. She is a woman who is aware of those that God has entrusted her with. She is a woman who says yes to the Lord. She's looking for opportunities to grow herself when she's looking for fields to invest in. That's what's happening. Not only is she showing up today in today's needs, but she's thinking forward to the future, but not in fear or worry, but in expectation and in joy. The Proverbs 31 woman is a woman who is noble. She is a peacemaker. She also knows exactly what to say at just the right time. She's a great wife to her husband, but that's not just her calling. She's so much more than that. I love the Proverbs 31 woman. I often wonder if it's one woman or if Bathsheba was describing how she saw herself. Ladies, what would it look like if you wrote a proverb about you, a wife of noble character who can find and you begin to describe the things that you do? Would they be things you would want to pass on? Just a side note thought. But while I was being interviewed in this podcast, the You Are Enough podcast, I was thinking about this question, in fact, in my preparation for that interview, especially. But what kept coming to my mind over and over again is you're not enough. I mean, in and of ourselves, we don't really have what it takes. We need Jesus, right? Now, I want to make a note really quickly and say that I know there are lots and lots of people who think the phrase, I'm not enough. And it's a very negative and condemning and shaming phrase. And this is not to say, if that's what you're thinking, then yeah, you're not. No, that's not what this is about. When you have negative thoughts in you, you cannot allow those to affect you so deeply. You have to say, listen, my mind is my space and I'm not going to be dictated to in that way. But when we're talking about who God has made us to be and do we have what it takes to live this life and, you know, do we have what it takes to make right choices and all of those things, I think I would say to you, maybe you don't, but is that even a bad thing? When I was a senior in high school, I was at a youth camp the summer before my senior year, in fact, and I had a prophetic dream. It's the first prophetic dream that I've ever had. It's essentially a dream where God speaks to you and you know that you know that you know that it's a message from God. And of course, when I woke up after receiving this dream, I was so convinced it was for someone else. And I went to that person and I said, listen, I had this dream for you. And I shared it all with them. And my friend looked at me and basically said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't think that's for me. And I was really perplexed. And I said, God, I don't understand that. I really thought that was from you. And I, I felt the Lord whisper to me and say, it was from me. It's about you. And essentially the dream was this. I was driving my car. I was like 16, 17 years old. Driving my car and as I drove the road became more and more narrow to where I was actually driving on a sidewalk the exact width of my car and I came to the end of the sidewalk and there was water surrounding everywhere and there was no more water there was no more land for me to drive on it was only water and I could see the other edge of the pool across a little bit of a jump and I thought I can do this I can jump it so I backed the car up floored it took off and got within a centimeter of the edge of the pool to where I could continue to drive. I got within a centimeter and I began to sink. As I was sinking, I was keenly aware of how difficult it is to open a car door underwater. Now this is how dreams work and who even knows, but that's what was happening. So I sunk to the bottom of the pool and began to contemplate my impending death. And at that time, a lifeguard appeared outside of the window of my car and he knocked on the window. And I looked over and he said, open the door. I responded back. You don't understand. I can't mind you. I had not even tried. I just knew logically that's not going to work. And he said, open the door a second time. And I said, I don't know what you don't understand. I can't. There's too much pressure. It's not going to work. A third time, a knock at the window. He said, open the door. And this time out of spite and frustration, I yanked on the doorknob the door handle of my car, just essentially to say, see, it's not possible. And the second I pulled the latch effortlessly, the door opened up, I floated to the top of the water and I found myself on the sidewalk of the pool, completely drenched in water. I began to look around to find this man so I could thank him and thank him for saving my life. And as I looked around, he was nowhere to be found. A moment later in the dream, someone else walked up and I said, excuse me, sir, do you see the lifeguard? Because I want to tell him thank you. That person looked at me and said, that wasn't a lifeguard. It was Jesus. That's when I woke up. As I contemplated that dream and spent time talking to the Lord, what I discovered was that God was telling me a very simple truth. Your best attempts cannot get you there. Your best attempts, all that's in you, all the resource, the talent, the gifting, the whatnot, all the vision, the ideas, everything you can muster up will get you close, but not fully there. The only way to achieve success, peace, salvation, freedom, the only way to achieve those things is through Jesus. And Jesus typically confounds us with his invitations. Open a door in the midst of so much pressure by natural means it shouldn't be able to open. And yet Jesus is able to do that. Now, I was already saved at this point, but I got resaved at that moment. I re-surrendered my life to the Lord and I said, God, I'm with you till the end. Time and time again, I've had to come back to that place of realizing in and of myself, I might have gifts. I might have talents. I might have natural abilities. I might have opportunities or friendships or resources. You know, I might have all the things available to me, but without Jesus, it won't work. Or should I say it won't be eternal. I think this is what the Proverbs 31 woman was alluding to. You have to use everything that's inside of you, but you have to understand where you are with God. So when we're tackling the question, are you enough? At the end of the day, no, you're not enough. At the end of the day, you don't have what it takes to make an eternal impact. Can you have a good day? Sure. Can you be peaceful for a moment? Sure. But what happens when the storms of life come? What happens when the challenges come? How do you tackle and tap into that abundant life that Jesus has promised the peace, the joy, the freedom, the, the rest? Well, that only comes through Jesus. I want to tell you one other resource that I've been thinking about lately, and it's a book called breaking off the outer man to release the spirit by a Chinese pastor named watchman Ni. What kind of a name is that? Right? It's amazing. Watchman knee. And I read this book several years ago. It's a gut punch kind of read. It's the kind of read where I think you're going to be convicted on every page and it's a good thing, but it's deep. And essentially what this book is about is how important it is for us to break off the shell of our flesh or our outer man, the part that's been conditioned by the world. That's the part where when we're born again into salvation with Jesus, that, that God crucifies that flesh with him, that he buries that, that it's gone, that he now emerges a new creation. And yet we have memories of the old creation that we're at war with now internally in ourselves. And so Watchman Nee begins to talk about how God is constantly trying to break you out of that outer man. He wants your spirit to be released because your spirit is the eternal part of you. It's the part that will stay in heaven with him. It's the part that lasts forever. And so you are designed by God to be led by your spirit. These should be cluing in on scriptures that you've read in the Bible. You're designed to be led by your spirit. And so what has to happen for that to happen is that the outer man has to break away. Essentially what Watchman Nee declares and says is that God is constantly using your circumstances to break you out. He's constantly using your difficulties to reveal things to you, to release your spirit into the primary direction of your life. I hope that makes sense the way I just said that. For me, I know that I've been on a continual journey of breaking off the outer man or woman in my case. I've been on a continual journey of learning how to do that, of continuing to say the old me is truly gone and I don't want any remnants of it left. I don't want a a mindset that can't really see God as good to lead me into the difficulties of life. Because if I have my worldview, going back to that, if my worldview says that God is sometimes good but sometimes not, and you never know what you're going to get when you approach him. then I. I can't boldly go to his throne of grace with confidence because I don't know what kind of mood he's going to be in. Are you tracking with me? This is why it's important to understand that God is good, that he's in a good mood, that he has satisfied his need for payment for our sins through the blood of Jesus. And so how do all of these things go together? It's just to encourage you. The track that you're on, the process that you're going through, it's good. Don't resist the Lord. Don't resist the Lord. I said this in the previous episode, and I'm going to say it again. What God is working on in you right now is what needs to be done. You might be saying, we've done this before, God, I'm over it, I'm ready, I want to be moving on to something else, but the Lord knows where he's taking you, and I'm telling you, he's taking you to good places. If you're a woman and a man, I believe it applies to both, but if you're a woman, take the message of Bathsheba in Proverbs 31, that you can look to the future with joy you can look with expectation, you can look with laughter, you can look with the absence of worry and not having to stress about what bad thing might be coming your way. Why? Because God is with you. And because at the end of the day, none of this is resting on your shoulders. That's essentially what I mean by, are we enough? Maybe not. Because at the end of the day, God is not asking us to be God. He's asking us to be his child so that He can be God in and through us, which is a really profound thing. So that's my encouragement for you today, guys. My encouragement is that you can um, press in, rise up, go deep whatever it is that the Lord is putting his finger on you. And I just pray over you today that you are finding your way into that abundant life. You know, I'm sure I've said this again and, and I, I've, I'm gonna say it again and I'm sure I've said it before. When Jesus prophesied in John 10, where he said that I have come so that they may have life and life to the full. Remember just a moment before he said, the enemy, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come to give you an abundant life the zoe life that's what abundant in greek is in that scripture what jewish scholars will tell you is that what jesus literally was saying and the crowd understood him to be saying was this i have come to give you a life better than everyone else sometimes we struggle with this sometimes we struggle with how god wants to bless you especially if you're looking at circumstances in your life where you are not experiencing blessing at this moment let god break out how he wants to. Squash the enemy's attempts to steal and kill and destroy what's good in your life, what's working in your life, what's going well in your life. Do not let the enemy do that and work yourself with faith and peace and rest and joy. Work yourself into that abundant Zoe life because listen, guys, your life is designed to be better than everybody else's. It's not like you're supposed to have the best house or the best car or the best, you know, I don't know what's in your mind, maybe the best culinary abilities or the best kitchen to cook in or whatnot. What it means is that your life is supposed to be a cut above what to me that says is what's happening internally in you, your ability to stay at peace, to stay joyful to resolve conflicts that are going on in your life, to be able to make wise decisions, all of those things. It's the internal work, the work of the spirit, that your spirit breaking out of the outer man being on full display, that's the abundant life and you're designed for it. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Bathsheba was telling Solomon, this is what you're going for. This is the picture of what it looks like to be a child of God. Watchman Nee is telling that in his book. I was telling that on Angela's podcast and I'm telling you that today. So be blessed, be encouraged, and I will catch you next time. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out.